This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host. Okay, so today we have uh, J.P. Nurbin. He is the author of The Culture System. And uh, The Culture System is a book that helps coaches just really um, build their team with character and intention. And actually, Monty Williams, the uh, NBA Coach of the Year, Phoenix uh, Suns head coach, said, a special book with inspiring stories, applicable strategies, and a proven model for developing team culture. So that's a pretty uh, pretty powerful endorsement there, JP. Thanks for coming to the show. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about kind of the the start and and the reason why you found it important to write this book. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it and uh, gratefully off for the opportunity. And yeah, I'm grateful that Monty's been willing to endorse this book uh, and um, and it's been able to have an impact on, on him as well. So the um, yeah, this book was really written. It came from a place of, you know, I, I've studied everything on culture and leadership I could possibly get my hands on in the last seven years here because I was a high school basketball coach and before that I was, you know, was a professional and college basketball coach. So I've been around coaching for over a decade and I realized that our team's performance didn't come down as much to the strategy and the tactics as I thought it would. Uh, it really was, we were underperforming because of human problems, behavioral problems, culture problems. So I really just dove in on, on all in on this, this culture and leadership. And as I was reading books, you know, I started writing about those experiences and, and sharing those with others. And then I got to start to work with primarily sports teams, but I've also worked with, you know, uh, a surgeon, you know, that runs his, his surgery team. And I've worked with a CEO, I've run a, you know, vice president. So I've worked a little bit in the business world as well too, but you know, what I've realized is in all my research and in the interviews, I've gotten to interview incredible, incredible coaches and leaders and business leaders and psychologists and all that out there is that all these great organizations, these great teams, these great team cultures, um, the, the leaders that are able to build them and sustain them for periods of time, they all have very similar tools and methods and they all have um, ways of doing that. Uh, they may not all use the exact same 20 tools, they may only use five and they may, you know, but there's really honestly around 20 to 25 things I thought were just like, man, these are really consistent across that. And so that's what we've put together as well as we've put it together in a way that coaches or leaders can apply it, what I would call systematically. And when we apply systems in life, uh, you know, it helps us to um, be able to take out a lot of the decision making sometimes of the things that you know, we don't need to be wasting our time and energy on and execute consistently um, at, at what's really, really important. So we, we try to help coaches or leaders implement these things in, in a systematic way um, so that, you know, it's not just a once off year thing, but you're you're consistently building off of what you've been doing culturally. What are some of the main kind of low hanging fruit that people that haven't necessarily thought about culture from a coaching perspective, maybe they think about just talent or um, the X's and O's, somebody that wants to start diving into the power of culture and I guess tapping into that, where should they start? What is a, um, yeah, some, some low hanging fruit that you would recommend? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A lot of times people do reach out to me, um, 
looking for, hey, I, I want to get my culture better. You know, I've it's it's the culture is creating problems for me. We're underperforming. Similar issues that I struggled with, and so um, largely what I do is I, I have been coaching coaches for the last six years now, and my work with them has has been able to. It often starts from a place of wanting to build a culture and build build a better culture. Um, but when I'm coaching a coach on culture, we start with the leader. We start with themselves. And so, you know, it, a lot of these things like mission, vision, values, they can become cliche. Um, but the reality is, you know, coaches, leaders need to know their mission, their why, why they show up, why they do what they do, um, their vision for the program or their vision for their business beyond the bottom line. Obviously, you want to make money. But beyond the bottom line, what is what is your vision? What are you trying to create? Um, you need to know what's really important to you in, in that. Things that won't change. The business might change, but things that won't change. And, and then, you know, you've got to have some leadership discipline, some things around, you know, mental wellness, uh, things around personal growth, um, getting coaching, journaling, reflecting, reading. You've got to have those things that, and those disciplines are so critical and helping to bring that mission, that vision, those values to life so that, honestly, you, you have integrity as a leader. You're not a phony. You're not a fraud. Uh, we're all going to make mistakes. But if we're investing in our own growth, um, then we're, and we're becoming better leaders, better people, then we have a chance at building a successful team culture over, over time. So the low-hanging fruit is, first off, are you investing in yourself? Are you focusing on your uh, on yourself and and trying to uh, better yourself? Uh, because if you can't show up and you can't perform, then then your team will never be able to perform. Can you just define what you like when we talk about culture? Like, how do you define culture? Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I appreciate that question because you know once you got your leadership in place and your your you're, you're we're investing in that. That comes this culture aspect, and and simply culture to me is this, Danny. It is um, made up of two things. The first I always put on a graph, the x-axis, is the relationships, the connections. So it's how connected is a group. It starts with trust. Is there levels of trust uh, to to be truthful to each other, to know that you know each other is going to get the job done. Uh, but yeah, you got to have connectedness, shared purpose, trust, vulnerability within that. At the other y-axis, I have the standards. And I don't mean the things that we say are our behaviors that we aspire to. I mean, actually, how do we do things day in and day out? What's that look like? How do we resolve conflict? Um, how do we show up every day? You know, so standards and relationships, behaviors, Connectedness. Those are the things that make up the culture. And driving that is the leadership. And it's not just the CEO, the head coach. It's the leadership system within that, you know, that that is driving things forward. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how I define culture: standard and relationships. Are there certain years where your culture looks differently than others, or are you always trying to shoot for um, a, a certain target? Culture is obviously very dynamic. It's changing because people change. Even the people within the organization change. They come, they go, but people themselves, they change. The culture is not in a vacuum. Cultures are within culture. So like a sports team, like a high school basketball team could, 
yeah, they may even retain all the same players. Actually, I was just talking to a coach yesterday that we coach, and he um, really struggled because he's just starting a new season. He lost one player, and he they had the best culture ever last year. Now he's like, man, we have a lot of cultural challenges. The tools that we use to build the culture, they don't really change. They might be modified, but the tools are consistent that I work with coaches on. How we apply them, though, that's very organic. Tools can be mechanical, um, like, for instance, like our non-negotiables as a coach, or we might have you know consistent one-on-ones that, that the leader has with individuals, and we have player development plans, and you know we have certain ways of approaching consequences and enforcing the standards. So how we establish support and enforce the standards and relationship of the program, those tools are going to stay fairly similar, but just how we apply them looks different from you know year to year and day to day because you know people are people are always different and the culture is always changing. So mechanical tools applied organically is what I look at it. So that that's how we address the dynamic, always changing culture of any team. When when Tom Brady left the New England Patriots, there was a big discussion whether. Brady was making Belichick good or Belichick was making Brady good and Brady once he left was I don't know he had some words about the culture and how he didn't want to whatever be uh oh there's just big discussion around that I mm-hmm. guess I'm just curious what your opinion is of uh, a coach that maybe has a more of a heavy hand versus a coach that empowers players and lets them be more individualistic yeah, I, I I think this is a great question, and you know you kind of think about you know the New England Patriots, one of the more dominant teams in the last ten years, and then you compare that to the Golden State Warriors and the NBA, one of the more dominant teams in the last ten years, right? And they're vastly different cultures. The thing about the Patriots is you know Belichick knows who he is and what he's trying to do, and he's trying to build that, and they try to bring people in that fit that culture. Now. When your best player and leader, you lose that individual, decides, you know what, this isn't a lot of fun, this way of doing things, and he decides to take off, you know, obviously, you're filling a gap, right? You're you're a talent gap. Can you replace that? Can you get other people that can lead? And this is why the leadership of the culture, there has to be, it's not just the CEO, it's not just the head coach, it's going to, there's got to be that alignment. So in that instance, I mean, it's a great question is like, what's really going on? in those situations. Well, if you get enough people to buy into things and yet within the standards of how we do things and the relationships are such in that environment that there's a level of trust and respect, you know, it may not even be best friends, but there's honest candor and there's a lot of potential task conflict, you know, for years, the Patriots there, the relational conflict never really seemed to eat away at the culture. Then you're fine. It, But you probably couldn't get the same type of player for that's playing the Golden State Warriors like the Steph Currys and Draymond's. And they may not have fit in a culture like the Patriots. Just like Amazon's corporate culture is vastly different. My wife works in, you worked with Amazon for years and years. And it's vastly different to where she works now at Google. Like it's just a very different culture. But Amazon knows who they are. They're very type A. They recruit from a type A personality. They're looking for more people with militaristic backgrounds. Uh, They're looking at profits and money and 
Google is googly. It's 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 connection and it's you know it's coffee chats and do you know what? And it 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 works for that industry. You know, um, the militaristic type of Patriot style probably doesn't work in the NBA, which is dominated with certain personalities and player personalities are, are bigger there. And just the sport is general generally different by nature. It's it's more individualistic in, in the NBA or basketball, whereas football still has that ingrained kind of old school is still surviving there um, and with more people. So, you know, it's just it's just understanding that certain cultures work. Once again, though, the, there's a, still a system there of how they built that. You know, there's still certain tools and methods, and, and they're being applied in both situations, just applied differently. I've been in organizations before where those team culture days or the, the building, um, team building events, whatever, they feel a little manufactured, like going bowling. Um, it's like, okay, like I, I see what we're trying to do here, but I don't know if it's really working. What What are the components of an effective team culture day? I would look at three different purposes within my team culture days, organization or sports team. One is I'm trying to build a culture that people feel, you know, safe. There's, I'm trying to establish safety and connection. So they're just getting to know each other. You know, can that happen bowling? I don't know. For some people in certain environments, it probably takes about five beers, you know, like for each guy, you know, to, to loosen up and people start to be themselves. So when it, when it comes to safety and connection, um, what I really enjoy there is sometimes it has to be a little bit of the icebreakers, uh, but of, of questions, you know, sharing questions, sharing just little information, getting to know each other. Uh, we would do with a lot of our teams uh, speed dating type activities. They sound cheesy. They are icebreakery type things, uh, but they're a little bit more, I don't know, they're, they're a little bit more grounded, you know, in actual uh, connection and, and people sharing. Um, you've got that. You've also got like, oh, I love Buffalo Bills. Uh, Coach Sean McDermott did for when he took over at the Bills uh, a few years back, and he's taken over this crappy franchise that just hasn't won and coaches haven't stayed long. And he turns it around, and one of the first things he did was every week he had two players get up and share in front of the team someone that was kind of like a hero in their life that was really impactful in helping them to be where they are today. Uh, we do a lot with some of our college teams um, that I work with and coach. Uh, we do kind of – it's kind of like a bit of a diversity activity, it's, but it's just this simple question of just, you know – Sharing how you got here, where you are, you know, to to where we are to this this team, and you know, share a little bit about your family history and what your family has had overcome for you to be here today, and that's just a powerful type, you know, diversity type, inclusive thing because you get some people, and that can be just a group discussion of everyone going around the room. So connection oftentimes just starts with just great questions. Um, as you move into there and you create vulnerability, then you can maybe go down some of those you know, Sean McDermott type things, you know, sports tend to uh, feed into that type of vulnerability. So it would be the second big purpose is that shared vulnerability, getting people to be vulnerable. The other thing is just going doing hard things. Like, okay, go play bowling is great, but what about some sort of thing that actually stretches people, challenges people, gets them uncomfortable, and they have to do something together? For us in sports world, it typically is some sort of 
uh, like hell day or training camp activity. And it's not a negative activity where we're beating them down. It's very building them up and we're encouraging them. But we're doing tasks that they have to complete together, sometimes really hard physical tasks that are creating that shared suffering together. And that's kind of like comes back to the Navy SEALs, which do the the log PT. Like, you know, Navy SEAL selection is not based upon individuals. It's putting them in teams, putting them through hard stuff. And sometimes they're on these logs and they're having to do sit-ups and push-ups and one guy struggles and the guy next to them is actually having to help them out. And that's that's where you start to get that more of that trust built. Um, Shared purpose, knowing that we're part of something bigger is like the big, the third component that we like to do with Team Culture Days. And, you know, we actually really like to drive, uh, to build, te- you know, those around service would be one of our most popular. We've got a lot of different ones that we do in this, but man, we love it when teams will put on a camp for their sport for special needs kids in their community, or they're going to do something with, you know, coaching younger kids. Like, We've had teams uh, that have gone and done like prison ministry. Like there's just going out, going and helping build. You know, I tell in the book the story of Indiana Wesleyan's, you know, basketball team and how they would go to the Dominican Republic every two years and help rebuild villages. So this, once again, you know, a bit of shared physical suffering in that one, but just going and helping and serving others. Obviously, you're doing good in the world, but it helps you to recenter yourself and and be more grateful so those are just a few of the few of the ideas that 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 we love to do with teams around team culture days and one of the things that would be key is to have i mean somebody that's not a bad apple or just a bad attitude it seems like there has to be some level of willingness to meet you halfway or, or be open to building this culture and have you ever dealt with a you know supremely talented player or individual that hasn't bought into the culture system and how do you, how would you handle that? Or how have you handled that? Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, probably one of the number one, you know, things that can kill a culture is the bad apple. It's the bad egg. It's the, what we call them the culture killer. And that's, that, that is one of the, is that individual that really challenges the standards and if you allow them to get away with certain things, then it just completely breaks everything down or the cancer in the locker room. So it's a real issue. Um, how you approach that varies on level. With some of the pro teams, you know, I, I work with the coaches there, uh, that looks different than you know a high school basketball team. So when it comes to removing culture killers, everyone's context is different. However, uh, we all the, the tool is still the same how we apply it is different. And the tool that I'd like to give coaches or leaders on culture killers is this. First off, when you have someone that's talented or you're thinking about keeping or bringing into your culture is you gotta consider three factors. First, what is the strength of your culture? If you have a really strong culture, it may be able to elevate that individual. It may be able to help that. So think about Patriots, Randy Moss. For years, it wasn't a problem. He fell in line because this is how we do things. This is the Patriot way, not an issue. So the strength of your culture not only can sustain or withhold it, but will actually elevate that that individual. Um, The second thing to look at is just their overall influence. If they're like 
not that talented or they're not that influential and people don't follow them, you can kind of get away with it. But we've also had some instances at the high school level or where individuals are not mean an individual might not be the, mean the standard, but everyone knows that that individual is going through something in life that is out of the ordinary. Like we've had kids that are living out of cars, right? And so, okay, he shows up late at practice or he's not wearing the team gear. Ever, there's just this kind of thing of like, yeah, his situation is a little bit different. It doesn't mean the standards drops. It's just we're going to be a little bit more empathetic. We're just, we exist more for him or her than you know they exist for the team. Like it's we're about helping that individual. So I've seen teams rally around individuals that really struggle. Uh, the other thing and the big thing I would say too is how strong are you as a leader? Do you struggle with you know like there's things that I lay out there that to be able to support an individual to build a relationship with individuals, to support them, to support their behaviors, to support their change if they're willing to make that change. And most people want to change for the better and to enforce those standards. If you're a strong leader, you can take on more talented individuals that might challenge your culture. So I, there's guys now that like I look back on, man, they killed the culture and I wish I'd gotten rid of them. Um, but now I know as a leader, I would have been able to better serve them, you know? And, I, and I've had coaches, and there's a story in there of Boomer Roberts, a you know, college basketball coach, exceptional coach, who had to remove a player from his team. But years later was like, yeah, now the coach I am today, I, I could have, I, we could have kept him. But the coach I was back then, I wasn't a strong enough leader. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember, people drive growth.